So I was with DOD STEM or Department of Defense STEM, um, which before the fellowship, before my interview, um, I had no idea that this was something that existed. And one of the things that I learned over the years that I think that's the case for lots of people, um, people don't generally think about STEM when they think about the Department of Defense. And um, it turns out that the Department of Defense actually has, um, th they had three fellows during my fellowship. They'll have um, four next year. And mm -hmm. so they really value um, having teachers and teacher experience be a part of their STEM um, programs. This is the ORISE FeatureCast. Join host Michael Holtz for conversations with ORISE experts on STEM workforce development, scientific and technical reviews, and the evaluation of radiation exposure and environmental contamination. You'll also hear from ORISE research program participants and their mentors as they talk about their experiences and how they are helping shape the future of science. Welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast. Welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast. As ever, I'm your host, Michael Holtz, in the Communications and Marketing Department at the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education. And I'm really excited for a couple of reasons, but one of them is a very longtime friend, a coworker, and you may know him a little bit as the voice of ORISE is joining me as co-host today. Brian Campbell, welcome Thank to the co-host chair of the ORISE FeatureCast. It is an absolute honor and, and privilege to be part of this. You have blazed incredible trails with the whole podcasting environment, and I get to just kind of glom on here for a second. So thank you for letting me glom on. Absolutely my pleasure. So Brian and I are going to be hammering in the best possible sense our guests today. Um, we're talking about a program that ORISE has managed for a while. We don't talk about it enough. It's the Albert Einstein Distinguished Educator Fellowship. And here to talk about that are our two guests, Jill Lachana, who is the program manager for the AEF Fellowship, and Jennifer Childress, who is just leaving her fellowship experience. So she's at the end of her 2023 fellowship experience. We're going to talk about the program. We're going to talk about what Jennifer has been doing in Washington, DC. Um, I'm hoping we're going to have a great conversation. Jill and Jennifer, welcome to the OIS Feature Cast. Thank you, Michael. I appreciate it. Thank you for the welcome. Absolutely. Jill, let's start with you. First of all, tell me, who are you? Yeah, th that's a great question. Um, yeah, th I mean, like superficially, you know, physically, existentially. Right, so let's talk about yeah, right. O rise, right. So um, for the program management of the Einstein Fellowship, I can tell you, for thirty-three years, uh, the DOE has had the Einstein Fellowship, and it brings uh, classroom teachers here to Washington D.C., where I sit, and manages this program. Um, that, you know, these STEM teachers come here um, with such a wealth of experience. And, you know, when I'm, we hand this microphone over to Jen, she's just one of the fantastic examples of these uh, fantastic teachers. And these teachers are placed here to really inform federal policy. And um, 
it's it, what is the amazing experience is they where they come from in these wealth of experiences, they bring their classroom thoughts and their, you know, wealth and all of the, the children's stories and their stories and where they sit in these federal agencies. And they sit in often they're the only classroom teachers in the room. And so they sit in these really important places um, on Capitol Hill and in these agencies. And, you know, I'm just kind of the conduit to place them in these rooms. And so I just kind of place them in the rooms and then stand back in awe and watch them do what they do. Um, so that, that's basically what I do. I'm just lucky enough to manage the most fantastic program at Overise. Excellent. Thank you so much. Um, Jennifer Childress, so you are one of the fantastic people that Jill has been talking about. Tell me a little bit about who you are. Um, so I'm a high school science teacher. Um, I taught for 25 years in Alaska, mostly in Anchorage, um, although Alaska provides a diverse opportunity for different teaching experiences. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to work both with grant programs involving students in science research. Um, I worked with the smallest school district and then spent most of my time working with the largest school district in Alaska, um, the Anchorage School District. I spent 19 years um, at AJ Diamond High School in Anchorage teaching mostly physics. And I helped to start um, the first engineering academy in um, the state of Alaska as well at the high school there. So. Um, I have, I have great experiences living and getting to teach in Alaska. Very, very cool. Um, Jill, so let's talk a little bit about the fellowship program itself. These are STEM educators from around the country who apply to be part of this program. They're hand-selected, essentially, um, a handful of them every year to work on Capitol Hill, to work in federal agency, you know, federal departments. Um, talk it just, I guess, talk about that process and what, what it's like, what it means um, for this program to exist. Yeah, so um, the Department of Energy actually has uh, the federal mandate to, to run this program, but each agency actually hand selects their, their fellow. So okay. in March, after thousands of applicants kind of get whittled down to about 40 uh, applications, the agencies bring these, um, these semifinalists in. And during that process, the fellows come into Washington, D.C. for the first time and, you know, they interview. And during that application or that interview process, what they do is they, you know, interview their their fellows. And that process is is really that hand selection time. And so they interview them. They, you know, figure out what fellow is going to be the best time, the best fellow for them to be placed for that 11 months. Um and each agency that we have, you know, really looks at, you know, what that fellow brings to their agency. Um, and when they bring them back, uh, our fellowship runs from August until July. So, you know, um, 
that's something that Jen will kind of talk about her experience during that time. Um, the only fellows that are brought back during the summer are our Capitol Hill fellows. They're brought back for another round of that because when we place our Capitol Hill fellows, they're actually placed for a second round where I place them again on Capitol Hill and they actually go through another round of applications where I then run them again through each Capitol Hill placement. They actually will run through a second round of Capitol Hill interviews. So it's it's actually a very rigorous placement process. We bring between 15 and 20 fellows each year, depending on how many Capitol Hill um, agencies we have. And we have, you know, right now currently seven uh, agencies and then five Capitol Hill offices that we have. Wow. So it's an arduous process. It is. It is. But what's great is we have such high applicants. So we, you know, the quality of applicants that we have of STEM teachers, the expectation is, is that our outreach will be um, a really, you know, uh, across the nation. And so that's something also that I do. I work with our alumni network. Um, Our alumni network is fantastic. We have a 400 plus alumni network and they help us with that outreach. I'm always asking them, bring me more of you. Um, And they do a fantastic job. I'm always asking like, where can I go? Where can I go? And they help me with that. Um, But also, you know, I'm going to different associations and I'm going, you know, get my ear down. Where is it? Where where can I find more K to 12 teachers? Because this isn't just for our middle school teachers, or our high school teachers. This is for our K to five. So we're really reaching out and saying, you know, where can we find these teachers? Um, And so our applicant pool is a very high applicant pool. Um, And so when we're pulling them, you know, from this this great wealth of educators that are out there, um, you know, they're coming to this this nation with this experience. And um, yeah, our agency partners are telling us we're giving them the best. Awesome. That is great to hear. You know, when you talk about that kind of applicant pool, K-12 sounds like a type of teacher, but teachers who are teaching the lower grades, K-1 through 2, and teachers who are teaching math and science to 11th and 12th graders, that's a very different kind of experience. So that's a really broad range of potential applicants that you're pulling from with very different experiences. Different experiences, but you have to consider that the education process is, is, you know, we're talking about teachers that still have masters and, and sometimes PhDs still, right? So they may be teaching kindergartners, but they don't have a kindergarten education. These are K to five teachers, STEM educators that still have a very um, hard experience in the in the sciences. So, you know, I will defend our K to five educators to the death, and our agency partners will as well. Um, I can think of the Library of Congress that for sure will always pick our K to five STEM educators because that wealth of experience that they bring, especially to their platform, they're always writing these webinars that are just fantastic. And even in our our, um, DOD partners, they will say, you know, and Jen can probably speak on this. There's a a great curriculum that was written by the DOD that was one of our K to five partners. Um, And I can think of it right now that is just fantastic out of this world. And she's a K to two teacher, just, Excellent. So, Amazing. That's awesome. So Jen, let's talk about for you, what drove your interest in, in applying to be part of the Albert Einstein Distinguished Educator Fellowship Program? And then, you know, to the rigor of the interview process and the selection process, how did that, obviously you were selected, so it went well. 
<laughs> but what was it like going through that through that process? It definitely it is definitely a rigorous process. The application um, is something that is not to be taken lightly. Um, but I think that it also doing the application made me really think and grow as well in terms of thinking about my teaching and my strategies and um, what I value in teaching. It, the Einstein Fellowship had been on my radar for a couple of years um, and, you know, COVID happened. And right. so things were a little bit up in the air for there for a few years. Um, and then just, I guess, a year ago or two years ago, um, from now, I started looking and thinking, okay, maybe this is the year that I really do apply for this. And the idea of pushing myself, um, I knew that it was somewhat of a long shot because there are lots of applicants and right. I wasn't sure how I would match up. Um, but I feel like that, I don't know, I often tell my students to put themselves out there to take those risks. And it seemed like whether I was successful or not, that was an important thing for me to do also. And so, and, and, you know, I made sure the students kind of knew that this was something that was, um, that I was doing so that they could see that process as well. And, you know, I, th I think it's important to model those things that we ask sure, students sure. to do, pushing them out. Um, we did, so we did do the interviews online um, that year, the year that I applied. And so that was an interesting process from Alaska. Um, Alaska is a four year, or I mean, sorry, four hour time zone difference. So four hours earlier. So I was up very early on the morning of my interviews and bright and ready to go. Um, and yeah, it went well. So I right. got to come and spend a year in DC, which was fantastic. Awesome. And so folks who are listening are clear. I mean, basically, when you apply for this, you are, when you're selected, you're, you're taking a leave of absence from the job that you have in Alaska so that you can step away for a year to work in Washington, DC. Um, I have to assume since you were accepted, your school system, your, your principal was, was amenable to that process. Um, my principal was, I actually was in a position where, um, my husband taught at the same high school that I did and we actually left the high school and will not be going back. Okay. Um, this next year. So it, it was at a point in our personal life and professional life where we felt like we could make a break and come to Washington, D.C. and then kind of look from here to what's next after so the fellowship. So, so what is next? Do you know? Well, Are you still in the that, process? Yep, that's still in the process of to be determined. Um, this year has been such a whirlwind and amazing. And I just feel like that we've been going nonstop um, since August. And so we're in the process of moving back to Alaska. Um, Alaska has great need in terms of STEM education, both at the statewide level and then also in the Anchorage area. Um, and so I have over 25 years, you develop a lot of contacts and connections with people. Um, and I'm really hoping that I can go back and do some work in STEM ecosystems, really help to develop sort of some robust connections um, between different partners in Alaska. So so awesome. to be determined is what's okay. next. That's totally fair. Um, Jennifer, talk about your year then in DC. Which agency did you work for? What kinds of things did you do? Um, you know, what kind of projects did you get to work on? 
So I was with DOD STEM or Department of Defense STEM, um, which before the fellowship, before my interview, um, I had no idea that this was something that existed. And one of the things that I learned over the years that I think that's the case for lots of people, um, people don't generally think about STEM when they think about the Department of Defense. And um, it turns out that the Department of Defense actually has, um, th they had three fellows during my fellowship. They'll have um, four next year. And so they really value um, having teachers and teacher experience be a part of their STEM um, programs. And so I was with DOD STEM, which is kind of an, an office that helps to connect um, all of the STEM programs, outreach activities um, across the entire Department of Defense. So Navy, Air Force, Space Force now as well, um, Army, all of those different components of the Department of Defense have STEM outreach and DOD STEM helps to kind of connect them all together. Um, we, they also collect data and do evaluation of the different programs. So one of the things I got to do was be a part of that um, data collection and evaluation and trying to figure out if you're looking at programs that are kindergarten through into the PhD level, um, what are common metrics you can use to measure success? And, you know, so that becomes kind of tricky, which um, was really a good thing for me to think about and realize. Um, so I guess to start with, when I think about my year, if I want to go back and you know, think about answering your question there. So starting in <laughs> August, <laughs> I realized that um, I had to really practice my patience because what I spent about two months doing was learning a tremendous amount about what is a part of DOD STEM. And that involved just attending a lot of meetings, having a lot of conversations, being a fly on a wall, asking a lot of questions, um, doing a lot of reading, taking a ton of notes, learning an incredible number of acronyms. Um, I thought that education had a lot of acronyms. <laughs> it's nothing compared to the Department of Defense. Um, and everyone said, just you know, trust, you'll get there, it'll make sense, you'll find your place, and they were right. Um, by December, I was involved in um, a couple of different programs. They were really great. The team was about one, making me feel like that I was a full member. I wasn't an outside kind of fellow. I was really integrated into the team. Um, and I was able to then choose which types of things interested me the most. Um, I was able to work on a couple of interagency working groups. And I feel like Jill talked about that a little bit that so one was on convergence education and the other was on inclusion in STEM. Um, and these working groups often have many federal agencies that come together to work on these important concepts, but they don't really have teachers in the room. And so to be able to be there and provide just a voice of, well, okay, but I'm not sure how that would work in an actual education environment or that's a great idea, but have you thought about this? Um, wow. And so just being able to be that voice in some of those spaces. Very cool. So even thinking about the rhythms of life, if you were a classroom teacher for all those years, you sort of get into this ebb and flow of it's back to school time, it's fall, it's Christmas break, it's, it's start of the new semester. All that goes away and you're kind of in this 
totally different environment, totally different role. What was that like to kind of interrupt all those kind of muscle memory and old habits that you've developed over the years? It That, I think in some ways that was one of, well, I would say it was one of the harder things and one of the most liberating parts mm. of this year. Um, definitely, you know, August. So in Anchorage, they start up around August 15th, which was nice because that was our start date as well. So that was kind of a nice thing that okay, I was starting at the same time the school was starting. Um, but, you know, as a teacher, I always say that one, I was never bored, but I always kind of knew what, where I would be and what I would be doing at any hour. And honestly, you know, I probably could have told you in my physics classes, if you say, okay, middle of October, what are you teaching? I can tell you what I'd be teaching in the middle of October. Um, and so to totally step away from that was definitely something that pushed me to grow, I think, as a person in terms of that I didn't have a set schedule every day there was each day looked different from one to the next. Um, there were some set meetings that happened regularly, but for the most part, it, you know, it changed on a daily and a weekly basis. And what I was involved in, there would be projects in the office. Those would be really intense for a week or two, and then that would drop away and you're moving on to the next thing. Um, one of the pieces that was, I think, different for my fellowship than some others, I didn't have a big, like, so one of the other fellows worked with the um, Navy and he was working on curriculum. And so he definitely had, here's a defined project that he was working on. Um, he could see an end result from that and a product. I was more just there as providing that voice and um, being able to assist and be a part of the team. And so less okay, here's a product that I had at the end and more, okay, I know that I was involved in all of these different activities throughout the 11 months. It was a little bit interesting when you get to, you know, the holidays and to realize, okay. <laughs> and then, and I will say that um, in Alaska, we're always done by Memorial Day weekend. And so that one was a little bit strange as well to be, okay, we're, you know, we the fellowship. Yeah, we're, we're just a little bit to that yeah. summertime. So. We talked about the one um, other fellow that you got to interact with. Did you get to meet the, the other cohort members for, from your class of Einstein fellows and get a chance to get yeah. to know them as well? Yes, I, I will. Um, I'll share. So the, there were 15 of us. Um, I have developed relationships that I know will last a lifetime. Um, last night, one of the fellows that I got to know very, very well had traveled to Northern California, which is my parents live, where my parents live. And she had dinner with my parents last night. Um, and so I feel like that that sort of explains this idea of it's almost like family, um, the relationship mm -hmm. developed with the other fellows um, and how supportive every, you know, I felt so much support from them and hopefully provided support to the other fellows as well. Um, Yes, that's, that's, I think, one of the pieces of this fellowship that is incredibly special. And I think part of that comes from that everyone moves to D.C. from other places. So for the most part, everyone's coming. Some people come with their families. Some don't. Some come with spouses or not. But, you know, everyone's coming from someplace else. And so you immediately have this group of people who all have at least some common experiences with you. Right. And you know, that you can develop those relationships with. 
And did you get to see them weekly, monthly? How, how did how did you guys get together? It depended um, on the fellows and their schedules as well. So with the actual fellowship, they're twice a month um, organized experiences for us. So there were um, full day professional development opportunities that were great that brought us all together. And then there were a half, each month there was also a half day um, called First Friday that one of the fellows or a pair of fellows would lead a professional development activity. Um, and so those always happened. And then kind of just on a more casual basis, you know, we had a WhatsApp group and people would say, I'm doing this this weekend, who wants to join? Um, I'm gonna, there's this art gallery that I saw or there's a show or we're just gonna get together and, you know, go, who wants to try to, you know, get tickets to go up in the Washington Monument, you know, or what, you know, because we all were from other places, we did a lot of those kind of um, touristy things together as well. Yeah, that's fun. Very cool. Yeah. I, I will say that I think Jen is being too humble when she's talking about who she's the voice of. And I think that she needs to actually say that because she's talking about, um, that she, you know, the projects that she's working on very humbly. So I do think she needs to highlight that because like our, our Capitol Hill fellows who are the voice of their, their congressman or their senator, I think Jen actually, she's blushing now, but I do believe she needs to actually explain that. Um, so one of the things that I did, so I'm assuming you mean Department of Defense STEM and with my mentor, Louie, and those parts. So um, the DOD STEM office, my mentor, Louis Lopez, is an incredible person. And he put what I feel like is a lot of trust in me to be able to represent um, the program at a lot of different places. And so I was able to attend multiple conferences um, where I, one of the things that really struck me was that there are so few people, I think, that understand um, the needs that the Department of Defense has in terms of civilian scientists and engineers. Um, that is not something that I understood. And as a teacher, the many opportunities that are available to students and teachers to help develop STEM um, to help make sure that students have very rigorous STEM experiences. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was sent to multiple national conferences and presented on federal panels um, with other federal agencies um, or gave workshops at those conferences um, to help people understand the resources available from de through the Department of Defense. Um, I also was able to go and, um, I guess I was trusted to go and do site visits and evaluations at um, some of the different programs that receive grant funding through the Department of Defense as well. And so, which was a great opportunity for me and to be able to travel and see some of the amazing things that were happening and also to, you know, be the, be the person from the team who was there on site, um, seeing what was happening and making sure that things were going well. And Jennifer, were there ever times where you sort of had to add in your role as the voice of the educator say like, you know, <laughs> that's probably not, you know, or yes, absolutely, you know. Um, there, yeah, it's it's interesting. I do feel like that. I yes, there were times when <laughs> um, 
there are multiple and, and in different places. So some of it, um, there were a couple of times I was helping to put together either workshops or that were going to be happening over Zoom and bringing people in or workshops that were going to be hybrid types of workshops. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that some of my experience in teaching through COVID, I was able to say things like, okay, I'm not sure that's going to work the way that you think that's going to work. Or maybe we might think about pulling, you know, doing it this way to allow the people in the room and the people on Zoom to interact together. Um, and so I do think some of those experiences just logistically occasionally were important. Um, but then also, you know, when people were talking about, okay, we're looking at maybe funding this program. And that was one of the other things I was able to work on was reviewing um, technical applications for funding opportunities um, and making decisions or being a part of a group that makes decisions on multi-million dollar grants um, for different STEM programs. And my voice as an educator was really valued in those um, discussions and thinking about, okay, this program looks good on paper, but I'm not really sure how that would work. Mm -hmm. And or, okay, this is something that as an educator, I would want to be a part of this program. Um, yeah. And so definitely was able to voice those things and respected for what I had to say. Awesome. So whenever Jill? you're in the room, yeah, I was going to say when you're in the room with the director and you're sitting on the right hand side of the director of STEM DOD, that's, you know, his right-hand person who's saying this is what works. And he very much values Jen's opinion right. because, you know, she's saying this works or this isn't going to work. Then that's what I'm talking about with our Einstein fellows. This isn't uncommon that this amount of trust is put in because um, they are the only educator who has had this 25 years experience um, that they're going to give this very honest opinion of what is going to work. Um, right. And so this, this isn't an uncommon experience for our Einstein fellows to give this valued opinion and for it to be trusted like that. And the impact of that, Jill, then is, I mean, Jennifer talked about, you know, she's helping decide multi-million dollar grants and, you know, the impact is, is astronomical. Being that voice, being that trusted partner, um, it's not just the 15 people who come to Washington, right? It's the impact that they have on STEM education across the country. Absolutely. That's why Jen said that she wants to take that impact and pour back into her community back in Alaska. Both she and her husband are STEM educators. And most of our educators will say whether or not they go back into the classroom or back into their state, they that is their community, that is their heart. These are not one or two years into the classroom. They are classroom teachers in their heart. That's who they right. are. And so they they are going to be pouring into children regardless of where they go next. Right. So that is that's where they go. That is their community. So that's that's what they poured into for eleven months. But they you know people ask me all the time, well if they go back into the classroom, whether they go back into the classroom, they're pouring into the state level, the district level, the federal level for the rest of their lives. That's who they are. Right. Well, Absolutely. you know, Jill, as I'm sitting here watching this conversation unfold, you, you're kind of beaming with some pride as Jennifer's talking. It seems like there's a lot of secondary gain for you. You're not just a program manager. You, you, you get you benefit a lot from watching your little uh, ducklings, you know, become 
um, beautiful <laughs> swans in, in, in this new environment of influencing policy at, at, the, at the national level. They're already swans when they come to me. Are you kidding me? I mean, I was, a, I was a classroom teacher for 10 years in D.C., so this is the best of all worlds to me. Arise gave me the swans, right? So all I have to do, you know, this, this hub of Washington, D.C., I just get the gift of being able to, like I said, place them in the rooms that they may not be familiar or sometimes they introduce me to these rooms because, you know, they are in these rooms, like like Jen just said, they're in these um, FC STEM places. Sometimes I know the people in OSTP. Sometimes they know the people in the FC STEM groups. Sometimes they know the people in the Smithsonian. Sometimes I do. So it is a collaborative group. And each group changes every 11 months for me. So we just blend with each other. We all have this passion for STEM and we all have this passion for kids. So why not continue to 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 grow this group. I've been with uh, ORU for seven years. So we just continue to, to grow and the alumni continue to pour into the group. So yeah, I beam with, with pride because every year, whenever I listen to how much they've grown, I'm the one pushing them in the beginning, but they push me as well. Like, I, I grow as well. That's awesome. It's like being the world's best den mother. I kind of, <laughs> I, kind of I kind of dig it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Jennifer, is there a particular highlight of your experience that you want to talk about? That's a good question. Um, I think one of the things that really struck me that kind of started sort of in the middle of um, my fellowship and then culminating in a conference was the idea of STEM ecosystems. Um, okay. And this is not something that I had really given a lot of thought to. I mean, when I look back, I know that I was a part of a STEM ecosystem in Anchorage um, with our engineering academy. But this idea of really functioning STEM ecosystems across the country um, was something that I became much more aware of. And I was able to attend um, a conference in um, Jacksonville, Florida, the tie STEM, eco STEM ecosystems convening um, in May. And so it was sort of towards the end of the fellowship, which was, I think, good because it meant that I had a lot of experiences going into that experience um, or that conference. And so that really was a place where I was with the team. We were presenting there. So I was a part of a presentation, but then also was able to attend different sessions and really start thinking about, OK, what is next? What might I want to do um, in Alaska? What could I do? And started to make some connections from that experience as well. Awesome. That sounds great. Sounds like you've had an amazing year um, <laughs> all the way around. Um, yes, very much so. I would not trade this year. It has been just an incredible experience in so many ways um, from the people, the experiences, the opportunities that I have, the connections that I've made. Um, I would encourage any educator, STEM educator, to apply for the Einstein Fellowship. It is an amazing opportunity. Awesome. Say it louder for the people in the back. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I Have would you some, some visions of people you know that you want to say, hey, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you really <laughs> need to apply? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do. I, you know, I, I will be pushing people um, in my community to really think about that this is something that you might want to consider doing and this is it's a 
it's a great opportunity. I would love to come back, Jennifer, and have this conversation again in, you know, a year or so after you've, you know, landed, you know, for with whatever's next and been able to put what you've learned during this experience kind of to work in the new ecosystem that you're part of and, and how that has flourished. So um, be on standby. <laughs> for, I definitely will. I'm for, sure I will be keeping for, connected with Jill. Uh, I'm uh, sure you will too. I won't be talking to you. Of that, I have no doubt. So yeah. Jill, anything um, by way of wrap up before we close up the conversation? You know, I just, uh, with all of our alumni in which I say, you know, they are alumni for life and I never, um, I never let them go. And uh, they know, they know this. I already transfer them to another group before they actually finish their fellowship. And so they are our best asset. They, um, they talk about the fellowship nonstop. They really do. And they, I don't have any of them that will say the the year was difficult. You know, it is it is hard to leave your community. It's often hard to leave your grounding and what you're used to. Um, and it's hard to grow. Change is difficult. It's mm-hmm. difficult for us all, um, but it's worth it. Every single person has told me it is worth it. That push in the very, very beginning, that, that growth process um, is straight uphill when you come to D.C., but it's always worth it. And it's what you tell your kids, your students that you should do. Um, And even that application, you tell them all the time, you know, go, go, go. And if it were for your students, put their picture there, you know, put them on your desk. And if it were for them, you would continue to root for them. But if it's for you, you often will stand back. Don't stand back, like keep on applying, keep on applying, keep on applying until you get here. So I will say that. Um, And thank you, Jen, for your time, because I know that it is so valuable. And I appreciate you being here for 11 months and giving us that 11 months and giving us this time to, to talk about your fellowship. It's been a wonderful, amazing opportunity. Thank you. Awesome. Jennifer Childress and Jill Lachana, thank you so much for your time today, for joining me and and Brian. Brian, thank you as well um, for this episode of the ORIS FeatureCast. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Great to be here. Thank you for listening to the ORIS FeatureCast. To learn more about the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, visit orise.orau.gov or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ORISE Connect. If you like the ORISE feature cast, give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. The Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education is managed by ORAU for the U.S. Department of Energy.